philanthropy. It's all about giving to the causes that matter to you the most and making a real difference in the lives of others. Humanitarians understand this is not an activity reserved only for the wealthy. In fact, being a humanitarian is all about living your life with purpose, on purpose. It becomes a way of life and a way to truly experience living life to the fullest. Everyone is born with the ability to be a humanitarian. This podcast is for humanitarians, by humanitarians. We'll learn from guests who will inspire, motivate, and help you step into living your best life with purpose. My name is Nancy Landa. Welcome to Cause Talk Radio. Today, I have a very exciting episode for you. This is a bonus episode of the Ignitions for the Emerging Global Challenge series. With me are Osas and Terry Lynn, and Osas has brought with him a couple special guests who are counselors at Fly Clinic. Perhaps throughout the series, you've thought about reaching out to Fly Clinic for some help in an area you are struggling with. Today, you'll have the opportunity to get to know a couple of these counselors. It is our sincere hope that after today's broadcast, you'll feel comfortable taking that first step and reaching out to Fly Clinic for help. If you've been following this series, you know Osas is incredibly passionate about people, society, and technology. He is an author, speaker, translator, ambassador, co-founder, and COO of multiple companies. He has built systems together with partners across the globe and has trained both young and old across 15 African nations. He is on the verge of rounding off his graduate program overseas and currently resides with his wife in Nigeria. You also know that Terry Lynn is a mentor, a coach, and an adopted mom to many young people in Africa as well as other places around the world. She is on the board of directors of Amina Africa, a humanitarian outreach assistance program for African Christian leaders. Terry Lynn has an Associates of Science degree in electronics engineering and spent nearly eight years in the field of electronics and field service. She currently resides with her family in North Carolina. Welcome back to the show, Osas, Terry Lynn, and welcome esteemed guests. Osas, please introduce your first guest from Fly Clinic. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, it's my pleasure and honor for me to introduce our guest all the way from uh, Fly Clinic. Uh, the first person is uh, uh, Hikelen Erubele Sharon. She is a mental health uh, psychologist with the uh, Fly Clinic, and she's from uh, Nigeria. I will also have the second guest. Uh, Mr. Kumayo Olusegun Ido uh, is a family psychologist with Plaklin.com and is from Nigeria. You're welcome. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so um, my first question, let's let's go to Sharon first and then um, Kumanyan, you can come in um, with your response to the same question. And then Terry Lynn and Osas can also chime in. So um, isolation has been a huge problem for adults and children through the pandemic. What can you recommend people do to not feel so isolated and alone? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. During the pandemic, a lot of persons were actually indoors. And the, that period, a lot of persons felt they were cut out from their friends, loved ones, and people that care so much about them. So those period 
what we advise people to do is for one, the family should be closer to their children and also their loved ones. That period, that was a time a lot of things, youth had this emptiness inside of them as if they are being abandoned because that's the first time most of them will be indoors, not going anywhere as if they were locked up. So that period, they felt isolated from the world. And the parents, most parents, so that was also the time they were also indoors and they were even being indoors, they were isolated from their children. They were also doing their own edit and the internet trying to see how to make ends meet because there was no, nobody was going to work. Things were not going on smoothly for them. So they just have to meet the demands of the home. So that period we have to talk to parents, try and be part of your children, play with them, associate with them, create time for them. And uh, um, for the youth and teens, we tend to create like a group for them where they can be able to interact with people, where they can be able to let out their minds with that. They, f- they were not really feeling left out because there were people that was there to listen to them. And for those, um, maybe if those are the, maybe uh, my friend is actually whom I was always attached to. There were some of them that were like that. So we tend to make them, oh, try as much as possible, connect with your friends through text messages, phone call, it will make you feel as if you are still connected with that person. It will not make you feel abandoned, to not make you feel isolated. I had a girl that period, I think it was that period when she was indoors, she said she was so isolated because she was actually, she was suicidal already during our period of sections I was having with her, I found out she was suicidal. Then the COVID came in. She said that was the worst moment of her life, being indoors, and her parents were not there at all. So I had to reach out to her mom, and the mom started coming out to her, trying to be part of her. That was when the mom found out that she was abused, and she never knew, and that was made her suicidal and there was a period also she was raped nobody knew so it was that period that when she was indoors the parents started going towards her going to her room telling her to come out of her withdrawal syndrome from your isolation come out they started playing with her having fun with her giving her affection attention appreciating her she started coming out and she was able to let go of all her pains and hurts so those are some of the techniques we used during the covid for people that were isolated thank you okay kamaya how how would you um or what do you recommend so people don't feel so isolated all right, thank you very much. Uh, as far as a family is concerned, during the COVID-19, it's like uh, uh, things that have never existed came to be. Because uh, as far as uh, Nigeria, Africa is concerned, the father and the mother, they hardly have moving together as couple. And... Uh, they, they, they do not know each other so much because the father goes to work in the morning, the mother leaves early in the morning. They only come back in the evening. So 
when the COVID came in, it was discovered that it's like a marriage of cat and dog put together. And uh, there was emotional isolation. So they were together physically. And uh, at that period, I could remember vividly uh, about three couples that engaged online because we were asked to stay at home. So because of the need for counseling, family counseling, so we recommend that they need to learn emotional dynamics and they need to learn self-management skills or techniques because without self-management techniques, it will be very difficult because they will be playing a, a, a kind of a blame game. You cause it, you make it happen, this and that. And this is a global issue. It's not only an African issue. So at that period of time, I taught some families to learn emotional dynamics and how to communicate effectively. Because uh, some have not learned enough to communicate effectively. And there are some bad languages that one could use on his or her couple that will make the person feel isolated and empty. We have some local words people use on their partner that in short, some may even make attempt to commit suicide. So emotional dynamics and self-management techniques was key to what we use during the pandemic. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Terry Lynn, what would you like to uh, comment on this particular strain of questions well how do each of you see this uh, also taking place in uh, workspace or if people are not able to go to work what are, what have you seen the effects of there do we get that clear hello sorry i didn't get that clearly you talked about as in the effect of, is it, are you trying, the effect it has on people not able going to work? Yes, you're talking oh. about mental health psychology. So we're discussing more of the effect on the children, but how about on the adults based on okay. not able to go to work or being, uh, you know, what they might consider stuck at home, having to deal with uh, relationships or or non-relationships, uh, you know, mental stress happening there. Anyway, I'll, I'll clear out here. Yes. Okay. Um, I think during the period, uh, adults staying at home, it really affected a lot of adults because some of them, let's take, for example, those that have their own skills, that they actually go to open their own offices, that they're not employed by the government, it really affects a lot of them. Some of them even lost their jobs, even some working with private sectors and all that, they all lost their job that period. And it affected a lot of persons my entire that same period. I, I think going through articles and 
news update there are a lot of persons that committed adults that committed suicide that period because they couldn't they were not able to fend for their family they were not able to meet up to obligations and all that so that period what came on board to help people at that period was coming out with articles on how to manage your mental health, your mental well-being. So articles were published online. Um, counseling sections were done online for uh, adults that really need to talk to someone. I think there was a great turnout of persons like who are staying indoors of I, can't, I don't go to work. I've never been stuck with my partner indoors for like God knows when. It's like we are just knowing each other. He's so bad. He's so this. And a lot of uh, thinking of, I think I have to separate from this person. So we taught them how to handle issues, how to cope in the home front. So that period, some persons were also taught how to start an online business. So, um, and it worked for them. Most persons went into a uh, food vendor where, uh, business. Some were doing um, ship dropping for people, as in, oh, I sell this thing. You send me the picture. I put online for people. I take my percentage. So it was helping people to still meet, have a little income. Then for those that, as in, we're not able, maybe that work under the government, we, um, Advice going out for like just walk around the compound, do exercise, do what you love doing more. The things you love doing that you feel, oh, I wish I can do this, read book, dance to music, listening to ways that will motivate you in a mind or make you feel uplifted or make you feel the and the emptiness of the vacuum inside of you then and also we advised um them to like be close to your spouse so their spouses so we did sections for couples also so that they'll be able to manage their excesses that period they're indoors they'll be able to connect with each other so it's helped a lot that period to occupy a lot of emptiness inside a lot of persons and also some adults that period that wanted to commit suicide when we brought out numbers helpline numbers and interact with a counselor, the counselor is there with you. When they reached out for counseling section, it really helped to reduce suicide that period. Thank you. Okay. Oh, Sas, your comments? Yeah, I, 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 was, I was wondering, I want to ask uh, our guest, uh, you think that uh, during the pandemic, there were a lot. There were more uh, uh, divorce in terms of partners, or during the pandemic there was more of a, a mental heinous among uh, people uh, who were uh, experiencing this lockdown. Yeah, during the pandemic there were a lot of mental illness for a lot of persons because, um, like. And uh, like me as an adult, people that know me well, I can't stay one place. So people then keep calling me, how are you coping? Because we know you as a workaholic. Hope this thing indoors is not affecting you. So if 
I, as a professional, it was affecting my mental health because I was just indoor doing nothing. I felt like I was just useless. Not to talk of somebody that is not a professional. He or she is just indoors, not going anywhere 24 hours, not making money the way he or she used to make. So it really affected a lot of persons mentally. So that is why that period, a lot of article on how to manage your mental health was being published, was being written on so that it will help people manage their mental health so that there'll be a balanced individual after the pandemic. Great. Okay, so my question is for Kumeon. How has the pandemic affected the educational development of children? And what do you see as a possible long-term effect if not addressed? Okay, if I get the question very well, how does the pandemic affect the children's education? Is that a question, please? I'm sorry, did you not hear the question? Yeah, yeah, I didn't get the question well. Okay, so... How has the pandemic affected the educational development of children and what you see as a possible long-term effect, if not addressed? Okay, yeah. In actual sense, uh, the pandemic has a very negative and some positive effect on the children. Uh, it was the time that Nigeria witnessed was wonderful, united young people. Because those who have the opportunity to be online, they were actually to do that. Then some schools actually took advantage of pandemic. In actual sense, the use of Zoom became paramount during that period. But some children actually have a lot of vacuum, especially the average and poor children who have no access to online education, those who have no access to phones or internet, even power. So some of these people, they felt disassociated. And that was a time that we witnessed more vices, among the students. In short, I want to say with fact and figure that during the pandemic, we have more young people engaging in what we call Yahoo Yahoo. That when the pandemic was over, some of these young people, some of them have developed apathy towards education. Indeed, some of them become richer, but in a legal way, because they have been able to dupe one or two people. Some of them have cars. And after the pandemic, students have more cars than the teachers. And there was a lot of pride among the young people. And as we speak, the trend of that lockdown pandemic, honestly, is still affecting this generation. 
And from the way I'm looking at it, there is a big gap in the mind of students through that pandemic. I have young people around me and uh, we have to do a lot of work to engage them. In short, sometimes we need to do a kind of, because since there's no, nobody using the road, so we have to use the road to do some activities. And as it is now, the effect of that lockdown, that pandemic, is still has created a big lacuna in our educational system. Let, let alone strike and upon strike. So if this is not addressed, I want to believe we can only reduce the number of effects of what lockdown did in the children's education. Like some of us who were locked down, we're supposed to have engaged in other educational activities. But because of the pandemic, so let alone the younger ones. In short, it was a period many adolescents got impregnated. So they couldn't continue their school again. And that is why we need more practitioners in schools, in society, because many of our children, they may be young in age, but they are very deep and advanced in their thought and their activities. And some of them begin to say, education is a scam. School is a scam. That was when the language came up among the young people. Because they could make money through illegal ways. And it was as a result of pandemic because the school sees every activity sees. Thank you. Terry Lynn, you can ask your next question. Okay, I want I want to direct this question towards university students um, because they actually have kind of a double whammy, so to speak, happening uh, in in Nigeria and many countries. Um, they have the pandemic to deal with, and they also have strikes. And um, these students, you know, go into their university with the plan of spending three years, four years, five years, whatever that academic course requires. However, I know some personally that has taken seven years just to complete a five-year course. And with all of this happening, what do we do to help our university students? Because I also know that suicide has affected this age group and they are the future um, for all countries. And, you know, they're, they're, um, I just feel a need to address that as well. Go ahead, Sharon or Mr. Kanani. Yeah. Um, for the university students, what we've put in place for them is to create a group where um, we are part of their group. We come up with um, articles for them to read. We come up with um, counseling section for them. I happen to be in a university uh, setting as a counselor. Uh, with that, our clinic has been able to use that opportunity to reach out to 
a lot of students, even presently, I have to have some of them, even look for a job for them so that they'll not be idle at home. So what we practically do is to start changing their mindsets. Just like Homer talked about, some of them are not start saying there's no need going to school. What is the need going to school? For the ladies, you hear that uh, if I just see one man that will just come and marry me, let me just marry. And presently, I have someone that is even pregnant right now out of wedlock because of the strike issue. But in as much as affecting a lot of them mentally, we try to unlearn the negativity they've learned. Try to remove the negative mindset and let them know even though these setbacks are there, education is still important. So we tend to come up with um, people they can use as a, a mentor and people we use as role model for them. So like, oh, look at this person, look at this, look at where this person is today. If this person has not value education, the person will not be where he or she is today. You see, some of you will tell you, and because the person went to a private university, because the person studied abroad, the person didn't study in Nigeria, then we tend to not come up with, I, most I, I use myself. I say I faced strike when I was in school. I schooled in Nigeria. But today, look at where I am today. I'm somebody. So you too can be somebody, even though you think you want to be skillfully gained and employed in your own skill, or let education be your parity. There is something that comes with education that one day you will value education in your life. So that is what we try to do, just to try and unlearn their negativity and build positivity inside of them. Thank you. Usas, what is your next question? Okay, my my, my question is uh, as regarding the those who who are because like those inmates in the in the prison yard uh, most of them are having a, a difficulty in adjusting into the normal life so i don't know i guess what what do you think, uh, can be done for this uh, inmates for these people who have gone through a lot of stress depression and they've done things they never expected end of the day they are being locked under a under the, the bar and thinking of how to bring publicity into their normal life. And who is your question for? Uh, uh, maybe Cheryl, you could help us with that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, luckily, I happen to have um, interaction with inmates. I do um, prison visitation. So one thing we do in that aspect is to engage them in counseling sections. So uh, in prisons, they have social workers, which we tend to liaise with the social workers there so that we can have interaction with prison inmates. There are some that are innocent, that do not even commit the crime at all. Or somehow they found themselves being locked up in prison for a crime they never committed. So what we try to do for prison image during sections is to help them stay strong, 
build a positive mindset concerning themselves. Let them understand that even though you're locked up, you can make something out of nothing when you come out. So in prison, also, we make them to start identifying their talents. So maybe, for example, you're going to be spending four years, five years in prison. That period, you should be able to identify what you can do. Some of them are being advised to go to school. They go to school in prison there. Some have gotten their certificate to know that you can live your life after you leave the prison yard. Some are taught hairdressing, how to make soap, how to make shoes, how to make bags. And some are taught uh, how to, um, the computer, how to be a data analyst and a whole lot. They are being taught in prison. So even though those things are taught, but by the time an individual is not healed, it's not mentally okay, because you or she feel, once I get to the world, people will see me as nothing. People will see me, oh, uh, you as convicts, I can't employ you. I can't do anything with you and all that. So we tend to make the individual to start build self-love and self-worth inside that individual. Now you are not a different person from whom you were before. It's not left for you to go into the world when you are released to let the world know that I am now a totally different person. So even those that have got that have educational certificates while in prison, we see advising to learn a skill. So that once you come out, people have been stigmatizing you because you were because you're an ex-convict, open up a business. Then for those that can change environments. We, that has the opportunity to change the environment, we advise them to change their environment once they come out. But for those that cannot change environment, we keep back-to-back sections with them, try and do follow-up with them once they are out of prison. We'll go check on them. We'll go see what they're doing with their life, how they are coping. Then their family, we tend to involve their family also. We talk with the family, let the family understand that this person has turned a new leaf. This person is somebody different from whom you once knew. So please show this person a lot of love, a lot of attention. Welcome this person in with open hands so that the person will not feel isolated, will not feel withdrawn and even wish he or she remains in prison and never came out of prison. So we tend to also unlearn a lot of negativities from the families, friends, and neighbors, those in their neighborhood. We tend to meet with them, interact with them, talk with them so that they make this person feel welcome, this person feel wanted. So, but the major step up point is why they are in prison. So as they're in prison now, we try to do as much as we can so reach out to them, work with their social workers, do counseling session with them, change to unlearn a lot of behaviors they've learned. Some of them, have, um, if you listen to their so- stories, some of them are true to parental upbringing, background, the society that have affected them negatively. So we try to unlearn such behavior from them. We tend to unlearn such thoughts from them so that once they miss up with the society, they'll become somebody to reckon with. Thank you. Okay, my question is for Kumayan. I want to know how you have found the 
pandemic, COVID-19, how it has affected people spiritually? All right. Thank you very much. Uh, the pandemic affected people spiritually. Uh, we like what we did quickly because we, 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 I had prior information that such thing could happen. Uh, we quickly changed the structure to small group structure that we can engage like two families coming together, people who live very close together. And uh, as also a, a servant of God, we noticed that some family, because where they live is so far and they are not spiritually strong. So when the pandemic was over, they look like a stranger in the congregation. So what we did is to have a separate sections for different group of people so that they can pick up and be able to meet up with the goal of a mission statement of a congregation. Indeed, uh, my family had the best spiritual experience during the pandemic. Apart from my professional work counseling online, we had the best time together. We do a lot of prayer and uh, we pray for people. We make call, we chat with people and uh, we give people Bible texts and to meditate and reflect on those scriptures. And we also have a, what we call a family spiritual formation. Family spiritual formation is a kind of a 30, 45 minutes program where we take a scripture and we read it. We ask people, what do you learn from it? What is God saying? What is the example you can learn from it? What is God's commandment? And what is man can learn from that person? And it actually helps. It actually helps. But few people could not do that because they are not spiritually strong before the pandemic. So, but maximally, we, we were able to make a small group discussion. We break people into small, small group for spiritual, family spiritual formation. And a lot of people were beneficiary. In short, we have neighbors who are not believers, but through the process, they were able to become believers. And uh, to God be their glory, they are doing greatly well for the kingdom. And they are now a blessing to the society and community at large. Okay, awesome. Uh, Terry Lynn, would you like to ask your last question and choose which of the panel you would like to ask the question to? Well, I would love to hear a little bit from both of our um, guests uh, here tonight. Um, I, I, I know we've talked about what is happening, what has happened, what we see, uh, how it's affecting families, children, youth, um, adults, and parents. So can we get to some solutions? Because we know, for example, um, there's poverty that we're dealing with, with not having a lot of money to be able to um, 
get professional help? Is it okay? Can we tell people? Can we start getting out the word out to people? It is okay to ask for help and that it can be offered at a very affordable uh, rate or offering free sessions or uh, free initial consultation or maybe uh, free first two consultations. Um, because we really, uh, I'm someone who loves to get to solutions. How do we solve these issues? Because we're seeing what's happened. So what are your thoughts on uh, solutions for these issues? Thank you. Uh, it's actually for both panelists, po- both guests. And if Sharon would like to start, that'd be great. Um, let me go first. Um, for now, um, when we talk of, I know uh, in Africa and um, generally, people are becoming to a little bit getting used to canceling sections. A lot of persons will tell you, uh, is it not just canceling? Anybody can cancel. Uh, my mother can cancel me. My pastor can cancel me. So why will I want to pay money just to listen to somebody to talk to me? Is it not just talk? You have to talk. So, um, things we've put in place, um, concerning, uh, making people open up for canceling, coming for sections. For the first two sections, three sections, we tend to make it open for people so that by making them know the importance of counseling, when you come for counseling we tend to give you listening ears. We tend to give you a bit of solution to your problem. Then, with that, any other sections can um, start coming with fees for the clients, which is not too exuberant because um, we need to. We, most persons, a lot of persons do online counseling. So we need to meet up to a lot of our equipment, service a lot of things so that we'll be able to reach a larger crowd. So sometimes we tell some persons, some we even ask you, okay, well, how much do you charge for your sections? So we tend to make the person understand what you can afford for now. Uh, we do, we go a long way. So, um, these are little ways we've been able to reach out to in that aspect. Then for students, because we have students, we have the youth, the things that reach out to us for counseling. So I think we tend to make their sessions free for them for now, because we know a lot of them as they are not making money. They are not meeting ends. They still depend on people to meet up to a lot of things. So we still try as much as possible to make the sessions free for now. But one thing we do as much as possible, we do, we create a lot of publicity, a lot of awareness to let people know the importance of counseling. So like what I do um, on online, I tend to make people understand 
what people give to you are guidance. It's just guidance they give to you. It's not counseling. But a professional counselor will go deep down, find the root cause of your problem using his or her skills, techniques, and theories to help you heal. So some person like, how do what skills do people use? What techniques do people use? So I start to expand to them, explain to them what we do in every section. So that has made a lot of persons becoming interesting, interest, sorry, interested in counseling. So the one to like, want to have solution to their problem. Then those persons that were able to meet till termination of sections, some of them on their own, they're like, wow, having sections with you, I was a lot of, uh, my life has been transformed. Please send me your account number. I want to send you this. I want to do that. I'm referring so so and so person to you. I told the person, this is what you people charge for sections. I know that the person said no problem. So long he or she has solution to his or her problem. So that is how that aspect will be able to manage it. Thank you. All right. Uh, well, uh, as we speak, I actually have a, I have a format for addressing people and uh, I have some family clients as we speak. They pay me monthly. I am their family therapist. And uh, I have some people who are single, some people who are preparing for marriage. What I do is this, either through referral or through, you go through my Facebook uh, or you, you have my information somewhere because I have a lot of uh, friends on Facebook and on social media, Instagram and so on. So what I do is when anybody contacts me, some of the first Diagonal stage I go through is to find out how old are you? What is your name? What are you doing? So in most cases, when I find out this is a student, so I, I will not tell the person anything about price. Unfortunately, I've been able to help people. The, 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 the jam, the, that's a, the board that uh, moderates uh, exam for university, polytechnics and college of education, just release result. And uh, the, the, the second day, I had a, a, a 16 years old girl that shattered me up and said he saw my, my poster on somewhere and he need help. And she said she, she's not score enough and she's, she's afraid to tell the parent that uh, she's thinking of running away from home. And she's thinking of killing herself. In short, I told her, why, why will you kill yourself? 60 years old. So in that case, we don't charge because that is a life risking situation that we need to help. We need to save a soul. And at that point, money is not the issue. Money is not primary. So what I did, I was able to chat with her for about one hour, 35 minutes. And I convinced her that she need to tell the parent. I, I told her that I wrote work for eight good years. I was looking for literature in English, and she was alarming. Wow. Now I said, okay, when did you not go to university? I said, 
I started investing at the age of 27 years. See, wow, how come you are not at this level? I said, see, life is stage by stage. So when we finish, I told her, you need to tell your parents, because she said they invested money on her. They gave her a private teacher for all the subjects for their exams. So we don't charge such ones, but I have a standard charging this thing that when we meet people, sometimes I have clients in the Ukraine, I have clients in Turkey as we speak, I have clients in the Oklahoma as we speak, and we have I have one in Ghana, and I have some in Nigeria. So such people I will present to them if it's a group, if it's individual. We have different plans, very talking to help them to either give them orientation or adjustment skill or techniques and uh, to help them. So it's not primarily money now because in Nigeria, people even ashamed to identify with the professionals because they will feel like, wow, people will be thinking, I have problems. So we do more of orientation and awareness right now. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, just to to add to uh, what has been said, especially for our audience, what most, most, most of our guests have talked about, these are private uh, uh, consultations that you can actually also do with them outside the flat clinic. So you can actually have still have a private consultation with them outside the clinic. So I want to ask our guests, any of them, uh, for those, most of our, uh, our audience are from the U.S. and from Canada, who are headerly, those maybe 70 to 80 years, how, what kind of intervention, what kind of uh, techniques or what kind of uh, uh, counseling tools can they uh, be administered to or can be used for them so that they can still have a a good as, uh, uh, adjustment to the normal way of doing things because we, we discovered that there's always a decline when uh, people start the growing hood. So since most of our, our audience are from the, the Canada and the US, so what do you think they can actually do to make sure that they can still have a healthy life? So maybe, Mr. Kumar, you can start first. Uh, maybe Sharon, you can uh, wrap up. All right, thank you very much. Uh... A, a, a recent research was carried out by someone how to treat the aged ones. And uh, after I read the research, I take out 3C from the research, how to help the aged ones, at least so that they can live a, a, a fulfilled life in the context of their old age. And the first C is care. The second C is concern, and the third C is commitment. We, we need to be committed to the old ones, and we need to care for them, and we need to show concern. Uh, one of the things I did, even to my parents, before the two of them announced is that when, when I call them, how are you? Have you eaten today? They will say, yes. Yeah. Okay, daddy, if you have eaten, you don't need to go to bed. You need to wait at least for one hour, 30 minutes, so that you can be okay before you go to bed. And you know, just that 
little conversation concern and care, it makes them to feel fulfilled. And they will be saying, I, I wish to see you tomorrow. I wish to hear from you tomorrow. And if I miss to call in a day, honestly, they, they find a way to reach out to me. So we need to show concern. We need to care for the old ones. And we need to be committed to them. That's best TDC to help the age one. And it's the best I've ever used. And it works. All right, thank you. Sharon, over to you. What is your own take? Yeah. And in addition to what he has said, for the elderly persons, because that period, a lot of them start acting like babies. Some of them start feeling um, being, um, maybe their family, we abandon them. We isolate from them. We isolate from them. So what we do, uh, what's for the elderly, it's first of all, trying to, as a professional, trying to be part of the life of the elderly. Try as much as possible, make the elderly understand that this is a phrase you've come to me in your life. It doesn't make you um non-independent person because some of them like how so I have to be dependent on someone to take me to ease myself to use the toilet to wash me up to clean me up and all that is this life or death just come so it takes to make the person understand first and foremost living up to this age in um is a blessing already for you as an individual so we try to make the elderly person understand that you are being loved and appreciated but before you can start before people before you can appreciate people love first of all you have to love yourself the way you are you're beautiful you are wonderful that one day i wish to be where you are today because nobody Praise to die young. Look at yourself. You have people around you, your grandchildren, great-grandchildren. They are all around you. So this brings some kind of sense of fulfillment inside of them. Then for the family member, this is where it's very, very important because some persons will tell you, oh, I just wish there's a home for the elderly to just go and dump this person there. I just wish... Uh, this person can just die because he or she's becoming a liability to me and all that. So we try to uh, adjust the mindset of the family member that this is a period your mom or your dad needs you most in life. So like in African setting, we hardly take the elderly to old people home. So they have this mindset that we are the one that really need to show care affections to this individual so we try to make the family be part of the life of the elderly person even though you're going to get a nanny for your age parents but still be there for them i've i've seen some settings whereby the children just abandon their mom totally 
They never called, they never cared until the woman died. That was when they started coming around. The woman actually died a painful death. So if not for people around her, people like us that was going to visit, going to give her encouragement, she was just left there and all that. So it was when she died, people started coming around. Then there was one setting, the man had to kill his father. Because he was like, I'm tired. I can't anymore. I can't be packing stool all the time, cleaning urine all the time. I'm fed up. He ended up killing his dad. So we tend to make the family understand that you really need to be brave to face this new phase of life your age parents are going through. Show them a lot of love. Show them a lot of commitment because... It comes with a blessing for you at the end. So we tend to make them understand that as human, whatever you do that will make your conscience not to be stable in life is very, very bad that you keep on regretting. So um, like my grandma, before she died, I made sure I was part of her life. And each passage day I was there with her, when I have the chance, the opportunity to be with her, to do what I would do for her, till the day she stopped talking. When she stopped talking, she could not talk anymore. She could not move anymore. That was when her prayers stopped. But anytime she sees me, once I call her name, she opens her eyes. The first thing she does is to put her hand on top of my head. So it means that she's already blessing me already. So these are things we tend to make family understand. So today I feel so happy and fulfilled that I was part of her last days on earth before she died. So these are things we tend to talk to people about that the elderly are just like babies. The way you treated your child when your child was a baby, it is now for you to start treating your parents that way. And it also it comes with a blessing. Thank you. Wow. Great show today. A huge thank you to each and every one of you for taking the time to be here today. I am truly honored. Um, And, you know, I keep coming up with other questions that I could ask our esteemed panel. And so I would like to say, you know, would you all be willing to come back on the show either individually or as you have today as a panel? I would love to have you. Um, I want to give each of you a a moment to say a, a, a final thought, um, if you have one. And first, I'm going to go to Osas. You're first. Okay. Uh, my final thought, uh, first of all, I want to appreciate uh, uh, the organizer uh, who is the, the host of this uh, occasion and also uh, the co-host, uh, Mrs. Terry Lynn, and our wonderful guests who have been speaking, like, in, in, in fact, some of the knowledge they've shared with us uh, are things that uh, I've not heard before. I'm sure our audience who are listening over the world will want to benefit from all what has been said because these persons are seasoned and experienced uh, psychologists who have uh, been doing a lot of things, both uh, private practices and uh, also uh, commercial practices. So it is a wonderful time uh, having everyone today. In fact, I'm, I'm happy, I'm excited, I'm looking forward to more better opportunity where we can also meet and discuss on how we can actually 
uh, assist uh, people all over the world who are being faced with emerging challenges, which we are trying to, 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 to solve or to manage through this show. Thank you. Terry Lynn, your final thoughts. Sorry, I was having trouble getting into my mic. <laughs> Hello. Uh, yes, you know, um, here's my final thoughts is that, you know, <clears throat> this is a worldwide situation. So whatever we have coming through Nigeria at Fly Clinic, just like, uh, um, let's see, who was speaking about being already in other countries? See, this is the important part for people to realize and to also realize that we need help. Fly Clinic needs help to and some financing to be able to expand out and help youth, children, families, uh, adults, uh, young and old um, to deal with this, to be able to realize they have someone that can listen. You know, a lot of times uh, it, it's frightening a little because you have to rely, you want to be able to speak with someone, share your most um, just intimate feelings that you have that you're dealing with and longing for someone to listen to you without judgment. And this is why uh, sometimes families get torn apart because it's not comfortable to be speaking with mom or dad all the time about issues that you might be facing mentally. Um, so we should accept that as a fact. So we need, first, we need financial help to get these specialists and doctors across the world into uh, families, youth, wherever they are located, and, and let people know by getting it out on social media, um, flyers, however we need to get the word out, is that help is available. And to please, please reach out for help, no matter where you're located, find someone, reach out to re- reach out for help. And um, the third thing is, uh, this really all comes down to love. Are we going to let love prevail? And um, that is it. I, uh, I will wrap up there. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Osas. Thank you, everyone. I really appreciate all of you. Thank you. Kuman, your final thoughts. All right. Thank you very much. I want to appreciate uh, our host tonight and uh, Osas for the privilege to have this conversation. And uh, I want to thank uh, our guests, uh, interviewers, for this privilege to have this uh, discussion. Uh, I want to say emphatically that any profession, any institution that is not developing human being is doomed. And the human capacity development is a solution for posterity. As long as a counseling is not giving advice or giving direction, it's a relationship. So it, it, it behoves on us to put in our best and uh, encourage people to appreciate the counseling. Uh, indeed, 
is a very tough job. It requires mental development, it requires skill, it requires patience. The code of ethics has to be observed and obeyed. We need to give people positive regard, irrespective of their age, their color, their gender, whatever. We need to give them their respect. So I want to say thank you very much for this privilege, and we hope that God the Creator will use us to be a blessing to our generations and generations to come. That when we leave this world, eventually we have a, a perfect history behind. Thank you. All right, Sharon, last but not least, by any means. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, I really want to appreciate um, the organizers of this um, Zoom meeting. I really, really appreciate it a lot. And for our OSAS, I say thank you for the opportunity for making me a guest for tonight's session. Uh, one thing I always let uh, professionals in my field understand is as a professional, we need to heal first in order not to damage those that come for us for cancelling sessions. Because if you're not healed, if you've not let go of your past, you see, allow your past to affect your presence, you end up damaging your clients. And that's where you find that some persons would say, oh, I went to see this counselor and at the end of the day, I came out worse than how I was before. Such situations can happen when the counselor is still battling a lot of emotional distress inside him or her. So that is what I always advise every professional in this field heal so that you'll be able not to destroy the life of another person. And also for people out there, Counseling is very, very important. If you don't speak out, if you don't talk out, you will not know the importance of counseling. I tell people, I leave counseling, I sleep counseling, I wake counseling. Why? Because I know that a lot of persons have imparted and changed their lives. So if I can burst so much of my profession, why don't you give it a try? And you'll find out that you will always be happy that you did. The counselor is your friend. The counselor is there to aid you. The counselor is there. It's not, the counselor can give you, can't tell you what to do. It's there to give you options. Open your eyes a lot of options you never thought of before in your life. And you're like, wow, I never thought of this before. And when you make use of a professional counselor, you will never regret you did. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, folks, if you are struggling Thank you. and would like to have um, some help, please reach out to Fly Clinic or one of these wonderful counselors are ready to assist you. Remember, your first consultation is free, so you have nothing to lose. Just take that first step and go to flyclinic.com. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and were inspired to begin living your best life with purpose. Be sure to click the subscribe button or go to callstockradio.com and join our mailing list to be notified first when new episodes are available. For more information about anything on today's show, head on over to causetalkradio.com. Click on the podcast link to locate this episode's post. There you will find all the information covered on today's podcast, including links for easy navigation.